When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There are few things in life that are more frustrating than trying to convince your exhausted body and mind that you do, in fact, need to go to sleep. There is something uniquely infuriating about being so tired that you don't have enough energy to do anything, even read a book or scroll through your phone, but yet somehow not being tired enough to fall asleep. It is enough to drive a person crazy. What's even more frustrating is that for anyone who has struggled with any level of insomnia, who has looked for answers, you've probably found that sleep hygiene is supposed to be the answer to insomnia. Sleep hygiene is beneficial but it's really more geared towards people who have mild to moderate difficulties with sleep issues. People who have fallen into bad habits, gotten a little used to staying up a little too late, being on their phone a little too much. Sleep hygiene techniques, for the most part, are not necessarily geared towards people who are experiencing severe insomnia or interrupted sleep or other types of sleep disturbances as a result of a mental health condition like depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder. When we have one or more of these things going on in our lives, they cause really significant disruptions in our sleep patterns that often cannot be fixed by a few simple adjustments to our habits. And for some of us, maybe even many of us, despite staying out of our beds unless we're trying to sleep, staying off screens, staying away from caffeine, not eating too late, avoiding stimulating activities, sticking to a consistent wake time, sticking to a consistent bedtime, our sleep remains broken. And every night is a battle, is a war of attrition, is frustrating, is draining, is maddening. And the longer we lay there and think about how miserable and tired we're gonna be tomorrow, the more sleepless we become. If this sounds like you, and you've already tried sleep hygiene and it hasn't really made a dent in what you struggle with, I do have some good news for you. There is a higher level, higher intensity, I guess I would maybe say, set of interventions designed for people who experience significant sleep disruptions. It's called sleep restriction therapy. For whatever reason, this treatment technique does not get the publicity or the attention that it deserves. I rarely see it addressed on here. I've not seen a lot of content or books or other, or other media about it. And I don't even know many therapists who understand sleep restriction therapy and how to implement it. I myself only learned about it at a conference I was attending and I listened to this presenter talk about something called CBTI or Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia. And a huge portion of it was sleep restriction therapy. And to this day, 
I would say it is probably the most beneficial training I've ever been to, both for my professional work with the people I see for therapy and for me in my personal life, as I have also struggled with crippling insomnia at various points in my life. Really quick, if this is your first time here, I just want to take a moment to introduce myself so you know if I'm worth listening to or not. My name is Dr. Scott. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I specialize in moderate to severe mood and anxiety disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, and eating disorders. I'm the owner of a private practice in Cedar Rapids, Iowa called the North Star Psychological Center, and I'm the author of the book For When Everything is Burning, which is essentially a summary of the treatment techniques I use in therapy to help the people I just mentioned that I help. Sleep restriction therapy is kind of a scary name, right? And I'm going to be completely upfront with you about this. This is an intense treatment. This is a lot more intensive and a lot more detailed than sleep hygiene. It needs to be because we need to match the intensity of the interventions we apply to the intensity of the things that we are struggling with. And if your sleep is severely impaired, little adjustments here and there, they're not gonna do it. They're not a fit for what you need. So sleep restriction therapy is a set of interventions designed to address inefficiencies in sleep. When we have been struggling with insomnia, for a long period of time, what tends to happen is that the idea of sleep or trying to fall asleep actually becomes a stressor. And unfortunately, being in a stressed out or anxious state of mind is completely counterproductive to falling asleep. So you end up in this weird, like, seemingly contradictory state where you're completely exhausted, but you're too stressed out about the fact that you're exhausted to fall asleep because you can't stop thinking about how exhausted you're going to be tomorrow and how miserable that's going to be. When a person is struggling with what's called sleep inefficiency, it essentially means they're spending a lot of time awake, but in bed. And so that could be taking two, three, four hours to fall asleep. That could be waking up several times throughout the night and having a difficult time falling back to sleep. That could be being so tired in the morning that even though you're awake, it takes you an hour or more to get out of bed. It could be all three. For me, it's been all three at times. Sleep is a skill. And I know that might sound kind of weird because it's not an active process, right? Like you're literally unconscious when you're asleep, but sleep is a skill. And just like with any skill, we can be good at it, we can be average at it, we can be really bad at it. But just like with any skill, when we're struggling with the activity, we tend to try to avoid it. We tend to dislike it, we tend to be afraid of it, and when we have to do it, we tend to do it kind of grudgingly, right? So imagine when you're learning to try to ride a bike. If you fall every single time you try to ride the bike, you're not going to be super excited about the next time you have to ride a bike, right? You're going to try to avoid it at all costs. And when you eventually have to do it, it's not going to be a pleasant experience for you. You're not going to be like, oh, yay, I can't wait to ride my bike and fall and skin my knee and get hurt again. Unfortunately, sleep is something we can't avoid. Like we literally die if we don't sleep. So it's this thing that becomes this stressor and the source of avoidance. And yet we have no way to actually avoid it. There's no way around it. And at some point we have to face the stressor. That's where sleep restriction therapy comes in. Let me start by showing you a graph showing the basic principles of insomnia and sleep restriction therapy. And then we'll talk about how to implement it. I apologize for the low production values of this portion of the video, but I had to bring you into the group room in order to demonstrate the principle of sleep restriction therapy. On this side of the board, we have two examples of insomnia. 
This person is experiencing what we call delayed onset insomnia. So the orange portions of the board represent periods of time in bed and trying to sleep but awake. The green portions of the board represent being asleep in bed. So this person with delayed onset insomnia is laying in bed awake for maybe two to three hours and getting maybe five hours of sleep. The bottom is someone who's struggling with what we call interrupted sleep insomnia. They are experiencing several awakenings throughout the night, lasting maybe about an hour each time, and are netting probably, again, only about four or five hours of sleep. Both of these are examples of brains that have inadvertently been trained to sleep inefficiently. These are people who are spending large amounts of time awake and in bed, which is ultimately causing their brain to become, for lack of a better term, lazy about sleep. Once we've covered basic sleep hygiene techniques, if a person is still struggling with patterns like this, the next step is to initiate sleep restriction therapy, and that occurs in three phases. The first phase of sleep restriction therapy is simply to limit the amount of time you spend in bed. This will not produce, in many cases, an immediate beneficial outcome. There will typically be a few days, maybe a week, where a person is just not getting a lot of sleep during phase one of sleep restriction therapy. So it's recommended to start this during a period of time where you can afford to be a little tired during the day or a little more tired than you already are, because you probably will be. The first few days can be challenging, I'm not gonna lie to you about it. But when we reduce the amount of time you are allowed to spend in bed, it forces your brain to become more efficient about sleeping. And what it does is it starts to erase these long periods of time when you are awake in bed. And that's what you're seeing during phase two. So this person is maybe only in bed for like five and a half, six hours a night, but they're sleeping for the majority of that time. And so their inefficiencies have started to disappear because by restricting the amount of time their brain has to actually fall asleep, they've trained their brains to become faster and more effective at initiating and maintaining sleep. Once we've gotten to the point where those inefficiencies are really minimized, then we re-expand your sleep window. We let you stay in bed for maybe eight hours again. And this time, the efficiencies that you've gained from the restricted period of sleep will broaden to a full night's worth of sleep. And you will not only get an adequate amount of sleep, but it should also be high quality, high efficiency sleep that leaves you feeling rested, awake, alert, energized, maybe even a little excited about the day to come. So now that you've seen my absolute masterpiece of a graph, let's talk about the actual steps of sleep restriction therapy. I'm gonna outline these very generally. And the reason I can only do it generally is sleep restriction therapy is a very individualized process. And to do it correctly in the most effective and most efficient way would require the program to be personalized to you. So I'm just gonna give the outline, but I will near the end of this video, give you a couple resources for how you can find a personalized program for your own needs. The first thing that you're going to do is you're just going to track your sleep. And the point of this uh, phase in, in sleep restriction therapy is simply to gather baseline data. Again, in order to design a program that actually meets your needs, we have to first figure out what exactly is going on with your sleep. You know, on average, how much sleep are you getting? How long does it take you to fall asleep? How many times do you wake up at night? How long are you awake at night? How long does it take you to get out of bed in the morning? These are all factors that can affect your ideal sleep routine. So we need to know what you're currently doing before we can figure out what you should be doing. Once you've been tracking for about a week, 
What we're going to do is calculate your sleep efficiency rating and figure out your average amount of sleep per night. Your sleep efficiency rating, you can calculate this yourself if you want, is found by taking the number of hours, I guess you would say minutes because you'd want to be as precise as possible, the number of minutes on average during this first week that you spent asleep divided by the total number of hours that you spent in bed, both awake and asleep. So this should be a number greater than zero, but less than one. One would be 100% sleep efficiency, meaning you were literally asleep every second you were in bed. The more time you spend awake in bed, the lower this number is going to be. So if you calculate a sleep efficiency of like 0.6, that means only 60% of the time you're in bed, you're actually sleeping, which means 40% of the time that you're trying to sleep, you're laying there awake in bed. So that's a lot of time that you're in bed during your sleeping hours, not actually sleeping. Once you figured out on average during this week, assuming it was a pretty normal week, how many hours or how many minutes a night did you sleep on average? We're going to try to, this is the scary part. Okay. Just, just bear with me. It sounds bad. We're going to try to limit your amount of time in bed to the amount of time you're sleeping. Now there's an asterisk here. Most programs I've seen recommend that no matter how poor your sleep has been, that you do not limit yourself to less than five and a half hours in bed. So even if you're sleeping on average three hours a night, we're gonna have you in bed five and a half hours a night. You just don't wanna go lower than that. And what we're trying to do in this phase is increase your sleep efficiency by limiting the amount of time you spend in bed awake. And what this does is it helps retrain your brain to maximize sleep quality during a compressed period of time. You're not giving it as much time as it normally has to be in bed and try to fall asleep. And that trains it to get faster and better at falling asleep. Again, remember, sleeping is a skill. And just like with any skill, you have to practice it to get better, but you have to practice it in an effective, efficient manner, or it isn't going to result in improved skill level. So once you've figured out how long you're going to allow yourself to be in bed, then you have to set your wake time. So you look at your week and you figure out what is the earliest I ever have to get up consistently throughout the week. You set your wake time as that time. You figure out how many hours you need to sleep and you work your way back to determine your bedtime. So if you're going to limit yourself to six hours in bed, because that's the average of what you've been sleeping, and you determine that you have to get up at 6 a.m. to have enough time in the morning to get ready to get to work or class or whatever you have going on, your bedtime would be midnight. You're not even going to try to go to bed until midnight. And I know you might think, well, when I go to bed at 10, it takes me three hours to fall asleep, and I fall asleep at one. So if I go to bed at midnight, won't it still take me three hours to fall asleep and I'll just fall asleep at 3 a.m. and only get three hours of sleep? You might have one or two days like that. It might be like that at first, but it shouldn't take very long. And what's going to happen eventually is your brain compresses that sleep into the shorter period of time and becomes more efficient at falling asleep and staying asleep. That's also going to increase your sleep quality, which is going to make it easier for you to get out of bed in the morning. Now, I'm going to pause here for a minute because I want to acknowledge that this program that I've just outlined to you, this is a pretty intense and a pretty difficult thing to do. Let me give you three ways that you can do it. The first way is you can try to do it completely on your own. That's a lot. I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you, a lot of variables at you, and we're not done. There's a couple more steps still, and they get increasingly more technical as we go. If you find the idea of doing this on your own very daunting, I don't blame you. I did this with help. I tried to do it on my own and it was a mess. I couldn't, I couldn't get it done. Option number two is find a therapist 
who is trained in CBTI or cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Sleep restriction therapy or SRT, what we're talking about today, is basically the behavioral part of CBTI. The cognitive part involves looking at the thoughts or distorted beliefs that make it harder for you to fall asleep and challenging those as well. So they're going to give you a really comprehensive set of strategies for fixing your sleep. That being said, as I mentioned earlier in this video, there are not very many therapists who are trained in CBTI. It is a surprisingly hard thing to find given how common insomnia is. I also know, I mentioned, you know, I suggest therapy probably every other video I make on this channel. And you guys let me know. It's hard to find a therapist. Some people don't have great insurance coverage. If you do find a therapist, it's hard to find a good therapist. Like I, I know, I know that finding a therapist is not as simple as just like throwing darts at a phone book, right? So I came prepared today and I actually have a third option for you that doesn't involve you finding a therapist and can be done from anywhere in the world. And that is a company that I've partnered with, <clears throat> excuse me, and that is a company I've partnered with called Sleep Reset. Sleep Reset is a sleep restriction therapy program that can be done through an app. All of these steps that I've talked about, it walks you through every single one of them in order. It's an eight-week program, so you'll spend the first week gathering baseline data and answering quite a few questions about your sleep, your history with insomnia, and your sleep goals, and then it will create a custom plan specifically designed for you. Because SRT is not a one-size-fits-all approach. It needs to be customized to you. And if you can just find some sleep tracker online or something, that's not going to be for you. That's just going to be some general plan. The other thing that I really like about Sleep Reset is it's not just a mechanical app. Like, it's not just this AI-driven thing. They have actual sleep coaches, real people. I promise they're not AI. I've talked to them who will actually answer your questions, support you throughout the process, and help you achieve your sleep goals. It is, I think, probably way more efficient than doing therapy in most cases. It's also more accessible, and for most people, it will probably be more affordable as well. I personally am using it. I don't really struggle with insomnia anymore. I'm just trying to optimize my sleep at this point. Um, and I thought I was pretty good, honestly, and I was, to be fair. Um, but I have, despite having a pretty good baseline for sleep at this point, I still have improved my sleep using Sleep Reset. Um, it took me about 10 days, I would say, to notice a, a really substantial difference. But my energy level and the amount of time it takes me to get out of bed in the morning definitely have both improved. They do offer a seven-day free trial. I'm going to put a link to Sleep Reset in the description of this video. If you struggle with chronic insomnia, to the extent that we've talked about in this video, I strongly encourage you to check it out. I really, really think it will be able to help you. All right, so back to our sleep restriction therapy checklist. Once you've established your wake time, your bedtime, how much time you're going to be asleep, the next thing you're going to do is you're going to stick to this restricted schedule for about two weeks. This lets your brain reset your sleep efficiency and get in the habit of sleeping in this compressed window of time. And that does take about two weeks. Those two weeks, you probably are going to be pretty tired. I would even go so far as to say, you guys know I'm not like the biggest caffeine fan in the world, right? I would not be mad at a person who had to use a lot of caffeine to get through this phase. It's, it's reasonable. It's fair. And after a couple weeks of sleeping in this compressed window, what you're going to do is you're going to slowly start going to bed a little bit earlier, probably in like 15, maybe 30 minute increments if your window is really narrow, maybe about a week at a time. 
And we're going to just keep adding an earlier bedtime, which is going to give you more sleep until you notice that it takes you a little while to fall asleep or that you have a little bit of interrupted sleep again. When your sleep starts to get a little bit less efficient, what that tells you is you've probably maxed out your sleep window. You're getting about as much sleep as your brain can get efficiently because eight hours is an estimate. That's the 50th percentile. That's the mean. Not everyone needs exactly eight hours of sleep a night. It depends on your individual sleep variables. And it also depends on how efficiently you're sleeping and the quality of your sleep. It's very possible to train yourself to need less sleep than you're used to needing through sleep efficiency techniques and sleep restriction therapy. So this is a program I think could be helpful to people who sleep all, like people like me, who at this point in my life sleep okay, but just wish you could get higher quality sleep in a shorter time frame. So you've got more time during the day to do stuff that you want to do. So those are the basic principles of sleep restriction therapy, which I think is the most effective strategy for dealing with chronic insomnia. I have used this to help so many people, and it can be absolutely life-changing. If it sounds beneficial to you, I hope that you either look up a CBTI therapist or check out Sleep Reset. Again, feel free to try to do it yourself too. There's nothing inherently wrong with that plan. It, it's just a lot. It's a lot of data. You have to really stay on top of it. And I think without encouragement and accountability, it can be difficult to stick with something like this. So I hope that you consider using one of those techniques to help fix your broken sleep. As always, please leave any questions that you have for me in the comments, and I will see you next time. Take care.